Welcome to the Antioch Initiative Podcast, a podcast focused on the unreached of the world and topics related to seeing the unreached discipled in Christ's kingdom. In this episode, Art breaks down key concepts on spiritual giftings, primarily healing and prophecy. God's intention for us is to be used in these areas in a way that is full of faith and free from striving. I'm here this afternoon with Art Thomas, who's an evangelist with the Assemblies of God out of Michigan. And Art is a gift to the body of Christ. He's traveled around the world, and he does a lot of training in helping uh, members of the body of Christ be equipped in spiritual gifts and seeing breakthroughs in healing and prophecy, uh, many other great things having to do with miracles. Uh, Art, it's a privilege to be here with you this afternoon. Yeah. And uh, Art, we um, are talking to people on the Antioch podcast, and our audience includes those who are missionaries around the world, as well as students here at North Central University. And we want I'd just like you to talk to us a little bit about uh, some keys or helping um, missionaries in particular, but anybody, uh, to be more effective in healing ministry uh, and seeing a breakthrough. I think we recognize as we read the Bible <laughs> that healing is a major part of seeing breakthrough um, in different, you know, different pioneer places, definitely seeing that around the world personally. And but I'd like you to share with us some just some uh, insights that can help um, people who really maybe maybe haven't seen breakthroughs in the past, but would be helpful to see breakthroughs as they're uh, reaching out to people in their context. Yeah, I mean, that, that was my story. I uh, grew up in a church, an AG church, believing that healing is for today. Um, and I was convinced that it is sometimes God's will to heal, sometimes it isn't, and it just so happens every time I try, it isn't. And uh, it was it was wow. frustrating. You know, I laid hands on hundreds of people, never saw anything happen. So I just figured this is one of those things that's a roll of the dice. And, you know, if if you if the stars align and God's happy, you know, it'll happen. Um, but most of the time it's not his will. And he wants us to go through the struggles of life and that sort of thing. And uh, there was a husband and wife in my church. Both of them were diagnosed with cancer. One was healed and the other wasn't. And it it kind of threw me for a loop. And I was like, well, I prayed for the guy who was healed many times. And every time I said, Lord, if it's your will, would you heal this guy? And it never happened until he goes to this one healing meeting where a bunch of people are getting healed and someone lays hands on him and he gets healed. And I was, my first thought was, well, maybe it's just God's timing. You know, uh, maybe it just wasn't his time when I prayed for him. And then I realized there was a problem with that because if it's God's timing, you would expect to see healings more evenly spaced across the timeline instead of all converging at one meeting for this Mm -hmm. one evangelist (laughs) who happens to be laying hands on people. Um, So I was like, maybe it's not timing. Maybe, maybe it's like that guy's got a gift and that's just not my gift. Sure. But that created a new problem because my earlier conclusion was the reason the guy wasn't getting healed was it, you know, it wasn't God's will because I prayed, if it's your will, right, let it be. And it didn't happen. And I knew I had faith, you know, that's how I'm thinking. Um, But then it works for this other guy. So I'm like, well, maybe he's got a gift. But that would mean God's up in heaven going, not my will, not my will, not my, oops, I gave that guy a gift. I guess I got to do this one. And that didn't work either. So I realized, you know, I, I, I couldn't draw any conclusions from this, except to say, maybe I don't know as much about healing as I thought I did. Hmm. Maybe there are some things I need to investigate here. And I, I shut down every book I was reading, every podcast I was listening to. 
um, I decided I was just going to read the four Gospels in the Book of Acts. This was in the spring of 2009. And uh, by the time August rolled around, about three months later, I was absolutely convinced that the, it was always God's will to heal and that he really did want it. But I still had never seen it through my hands. I, uh, I mean, I had a million and one questions. What about Job? What about Paul's thorn in the flesh? What about Paul leaving Trophimus sick in Miletus? What, what have, about Jacob's and limp? And you've addressed <laughs> um, many of these in some of your books, by the way, yeah, right? Yeah. Maybe could you just mention uh, as your... Yeah, well, in particular, there's one book uh, titled Spiritual Tweezers, where the first third of the book addresses removing Paul's thorn in the flesh as a stumbling block for why we believe God doesn't heal. And the second third of the book is all these individual little what-if issues. Sure. Uh, and the third third is um, 10 things Jesus never said about healing, but that we tend to say. Sure. And really, the only reason that book exists is because I say I had at one time developed a very complicated theology to make myself comfortable with my lack of results. Sure. And uh, this discovery process like deconstructed all of that and I, I mean, my concern, honestly, was I didn't want to have to do mental gymnastics to force a theology, to, to force the Bible to say something it wasn't saying. And as I sat there reading the four Gospels in the Book of Acts at face value, I realized that's what I'd been doing before, was imposing my views on text and forcing it to say something it wasn't. When I read it at face value, it was actually very simple, very logical, very like God wants to do this. So I got up in front of the youth group I was pastoring at the time, and I preached, God wants to heal, he wants to use you to do it. And then I turned the students loose on each other to pray for each other. I stood back because, of course, he's never used me. So why would he start today? <laughs> but I hoped, you know, if we throw enough stuff against the wall, something will stick, right? So maybe if enough students in the room are praying, somebody will have faith and a miracle will leak out, you know. And uh, there was an intern at our church named Josh. He had an ear infection that, you know, being an intern, he had no health insurance and no money. So he just let it go. And his, he had, was in excruciating pain and uh, was starting to lose hearing in his ear. And he had a couple seventh grade boys ministering to him. And after a few minutes, Josh came up to me and he goes, Pastor Aaron, I feel really bad. Like they prayed for me and nothing happened. What should I do? I said, well, uh, tell him to pray again. He's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, like I didn't know. I was just telling him to do what I saw someone else do on YouTube. And uh, <laughs> he goes back and says, uh, he said to do it again. Really? Yep. So they try again. This time the two boys, Justin and Joey, they come up to me like, Pastor Art, we tried everything. And I said, really, you tried everything. What'd you try? Well, we laid hands on him. We prayed for him. We said in Jesus name. And in this moment, I'm not thinking, let me show him how it's done because it's never worked for me anyway. Right. In this moment, all I'm thinking is, uh, let me think of some smart aleck thing that's not on their list of everything <laughs> and just be goofy and make a joke. So I said, you didn't try everything. Yeah, we did. No, you didn't. Did you try this? And I walked up to Josh and stuck my finger in his ear and said, open as a joke. And Josh goes, oh my gosh, that worked. To which I said, oh my gosh, that worked. <laughs> I was more surprised than he was. And it was the first time I ever tried to minister healing without trying to think the right thought, feel the right feelings, say the right words. In fact, I wasn't even trying to minister healing. It was, it was the least effort I had ever put into it, and it worked. And I realized maybe the problem wasn't that I needed to believe harder or close my eyes tighter or speak in tongues longer or pour more oil on their head. You know, right. Maybe the issue is I've been trying too hard. Hmm. 
So Romans 12.2 says, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, you know, the patterns of this world are myriad. There are, there are plenty. One of the patterns of this world is if you try something and it doesn't work, you try harder. So if I can't get the lid off the mayonnaise jar, I put more leverage into it, more effort. I, you know, do whatever my grandma told me to do, run it underwater, beat it with a knife, you know, whatever. But the pattern of the kingdom is different. The pattern of the kingdom is if you try something that doesn't work, try less, trust more, because it's faith. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So that's when I hand the mayonnaise jar to my wife and she opens it instantly. <laughs> and uh, that's, it's just completely trusting him with the whole thing. Sure. So if you want to get started in healing ministry, the solution, you know, everyone wants to know the secret key. And the secret key is simply this. There is no secret key. And if, you, if you'll just stop looking for the secret key and start resting and just believe that what Jesus made available is, is real, right. that the commission he gave, uh, which included heal the sick, right. uh, was truly intended to be for a bunch of country bumpkin fishermen <laughs> and not super scholars, you know, that had super matured in their faith, you know. Like, everybody can do this. Sure. Uh, my kids do this. My, my, every person in my church understands that this is for everybody. And, uh, and this is just what we do. It's become part of the culture. So it's available to all. And if you, if you stop trying so hard and start resting, uh, that seems to be how all of the gospel works. Right. Wow. What, um, how have you, um, I'll say, in, in a missions context trying to reach out to people and you've been overseas different places and and I'll say removing I mean you can do big meetings okay? yeah and there's and there's I don't think anybody would say big meetings are wrong sure but many times when we're talking about peoples that are unreached you don't yeah. have that 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 kind of an approach doesn't work or it's yeah. it's, it's difficult because you you know, you know you're you're um it's just not the most natural way to enter into a community and to connect yeah. with them and to bring the gospel so more in a one-on-one setting, a smaller setting, what are some, um, I don't know, insights that you've, yeah. if you've experienced as far as, you know, internationally, but also just even maybe among other cultures yeah. in our area, you know, bringing healing and connecting? Yeah. Um, well, I think Luke 10 is a fantastic model, uh, going out and finding that person of peace that's kind sure. of your inroad to the community. Yeah. Um, and so largely in my travels, I tend to go places that I've been invited right. or that I have a relationship with somebody. So I don't have to search long for a person of peace. I already have them. Sure. And then from that place, it's whatever uh, opportunities they can help me get into right. to, pr- to bring my little piece of the body of Christ uh, to them. Exactly. So, um, but, you know, if, if I were starting from square one, which, you know, I'm doing in my own neighborhood right now, my family and I just moved, um, it's as simple as, you know, you meet the neighbors, you right. bake some cookies, <laughs> you know, you and... Yeah. You, uh, make small talk and chat and pet their dog and, and just kind of slowly build this relationship where really from square one, they know I'm a pastor and if they ever need prayer, they can talk to me. And, you know, you don't have to be a pastor to do this. You can just say, I'm a Christian, but, um, you know, it's a little bit of an advantage sometimes to use that, play the pastor card. But, um, but yeah, you, you just, you build the relationships and such. And as you go, Right. You heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. 
uh, I tell people all the time that an encounter with you should be an encounter with Jesus. Yeah. So what would it look like if Jesus himself walked into your neighborhood? What would it look like if Jesus himself walked into a village in Tibet? What would it look like if Jesus himself walked into the streets of Rio de Janeiro? You know, like it's it's going to look a lot different than just some average person walking around, uh, you know, with a bullhorn or a sandwich board <laughs> that says the end is near or something, you know, right. it's, it's going to be love, compassion, miracles, uh, a clear message of truth and love and the gospel. Uh, there's going to be, uh, an after, like, if you look in Acts eight, you see the evangelist Philip and there's an aftermath of joy. Sure. It's like there's great joy in that city after all these demons are cast out and all those things. I um I just spent a little time in India and there was a, a so in a there was a particularly a a group of people in northern India where a young man uh, and a friend went into a village and uh, minister they basically just went in to see who they could talk to. Sure. Connected with a, a family that this woman, there was a woman there that was severely uh, influenced by demons, um, going through all kinds of problems where, where that's regarded. Sure. And uh, in the name of Jesus, drove that demon out or right. those demons, however many there were. Right. And she was free. Amen. And they were so like in awe of the transformation. They were like, there's someone else who needs this. And they took them over to the next house. And that person got free. Amen. And somewhere in this process, uh, some village leader there found out what was going on and um, said, I want you to come speak to some people in our in our main meeting area and uh, come back. I think it was next week or something. So sure. they come back the next week expecting maybe 30 people. And there were sure. 300 Amen. gathered all around from the village. And they uh, they preached the gospel. Um and uh, sure enough, the village comes to faith. They plant a church. And uh, the two people that did this are Bible school students. You know, they're, they're not pastors. They're not, sure. you know, they don't, they don't have it all, all their theology figured out or anything. But, uh, but obedience is really what he's asking of us. Sure, that's really good. So, yeah. so you get out there, you make an inroad with one, and it, it'll snowball. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I want to also just bring up, I, I, you shared last night uh, about love and how the Jesus never, Matthew 25 said, never yep. said, um, you know, <laughs> did you, uh, you, did you heal anybody? Right. And that was, but he did ask them, did you love? And yeah. basically it was something yep. then how that people can always walk away yep. feeling like they've been loved. Yeah. When, when Jesus was talking about the final judgment and he uses this example of separating sheep from goats, he says, you know, to the sheep, uh, I was in prison and you visited me. I was sick and you cared for me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me water. And they say, when did we do these things? And he said, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. And I find it interesting that he didn't say, I was sick and you healed me. He said, I was sick and you cared for me. So the way I put it last night, and I'll say it again, is, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, when I stand before the Lord in the end, I'm not going to have to answer for whether or not I ever worked a miracle, but I will have to answer for whether or not I loved. And it's the ones who point to well, Lord, Lord, we drove out demons in your name and worked mighty miracles in your name and, and prophesied in your name. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Sure. I mean, First John, uh, what is it, 4, 7, and 8, it's beloved, let us love one another. Love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Yeah. So love is the substance of who he is. And if we're not walking in love, we don't know him. He doesn't know us. There's 
There's no communing there. And we're not offering any substance to people, which is why Paul would say, if I've got faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. He didn't say the miracle was nothing. He said, I am. So uh, we're not, because we're not presenting substance to people. So um, it's kind of like, you, you get out there, if you love, uh, again, he says, I, if I work these miracles but don't have love, I'm nothing. But a few verses later, he says, love never fails. Right. So in Paul's mind, if the miracle happens but I don't love, then I failed. Sure. If the miracle doesn't happen but I do love, right. I didn't fail. And uh, I think I think we have to kind of, you know, I, I, I often say a lot of people wonder what happens if I go out there and make the opportunity for a miracle, especially in an evangelistic setting, and the miracle doesn't happen. And I say that's the wrong question. The right Mm -hmm. question is, what happens if you go out there in an evangelistic setting and you don't love? Yeah. Uh, Because that's, it doesn't matter if the miracle happens, (laughs) really. Yeah. Um, When we, when we make that the priority, it lifts the pressure off for the miracle and you stop striving. Yeah. It's not about your effort anymore. And really that's what I opened up with that uh, earlier in this conversation. Like it's got to be less about me and my effort and my striving and me trying to get this thing done and more about just making an opportunity in the context of love and getting out there with compassion and and a heart for people and and really a heart for Jesus. Um, All of this seeking, you know, evangelism, seeking healing for yourself or others, uh, all of it and, and casting out demons, deliverance and all that, that is seeking for Jesus to receive what he paid for with his own blood. Sure. And that means all of it is an act of worship. And it's a form of worship that we can only do now. It's a, it's a limited commodity. We can't offer those things to him in eternity because there are no lost people. There are no sick bodies. There, there is no demonic torment, you know. In heaven. Uh, in, in heaven, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So on this side, uh, this is a precious commodity. Yeah, And awesome. we, need to, we need to offer as much of that worship to him as possible. Great. Hey, we've got a few minutes more here. So yeah. I want to ask you about related... Uh, would be using prophecy, mm-hmm. using, um, I mean, yeah, prophecy or just being led of the spirit in the context of evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, just some pointers, thoughts, um, you know, not everybody needs to be healed, right? But everybody needs to hear from God. Absolutely. Uh, you know, or God has something to say to everybody. Yeah. So what are some, um, thoughts, pointers for uh, yeah. people around the world who want to be even more effective and yeah. sharing Jesus with people uh, yeah. from all kinds of backgrounds? Yeah. So, I mean, okay, there's on one end of the spectrum, you've got these high level prophetic words that God can use to just break down walls. I mean, 1 Corinthians 14 paints this picture of an unbeliever walking into a church meeting where everyone's prophesying and they fall on their face and declare God is truly among you. I mean, I, we all want that. And, and I've had things like that happen in home meetings that I've done and such, uh, you know, things like that. But um I think everybody wants to get there, but nobody quite knows how to get there. Sure. And one of the first things we can do is start with the message you've got. Uh, if you're faithful with a few things, he'll put you in charge of many things or bigger things or more important things or heavier things. Um, so the message we've got is, number one, our testimony. Uh, even if you don't know fully how to articulate the gospel yet, square one, you know your story. You know how he changed you. Share that. Uh, As you share that, invest yourself in learning to articulate the gospel well. 
death with Christ, resurrection with Christ, the, the same spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, dwelling in you, making you a new creation where the old is gone, the new is here, that you're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Your identity has been transformed um, and, and you get to walk in union with God now. I mean, this, it's a big thing, the gospel. Um, but you get out there proclaiming that message and along that, along the way, um, God's going to start investing new insights to you, new, uh, new revelation. And I don't mean like changing the message, like the message stays the same. What I mean is suddenly you start saying personal things to the person that you couldn't find in the Bible. Um, you're getting words of knowledge about specific things going on in their life, or the Lord tells you something that's about to happen in their life and you share that with them and, and it happens and they're like, oh my goodness, God is real. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you speak a personal message to them about, who they are and things that happened to them in the past and what God is saying about those circumstances and what he wants to do in the future through them, that'll radically change a person's life. Uh, and I've seen all those things happen in an evangelism context. And uh, I find those tools to be vitally important uh, to have available, sure. um, not necessarily important for every situation, right. but important and in the grand scheme of this sort of ministry. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your being with us here at the Antioch Initiative uh, for this couple of days here, uh, training and uh, encouraging us. Uh, thanks for this time. Yeah.